by the way, while they're smoking Marlboro <laughs> yes. Reds. In the, so just to think about how things have changed, right? <laughs> Welcome to Catalyst, the Launch by NTT Data podcast. Catalyst is an ongoing discussion for digital leaders dissatisfied with the status quo and yet optimistic about what's possible through smart technology and great people. Joining us in studio today is Heather Hudnell, the Chief Nursing Informatics Officer at NTT Data. Heather is an RN with a background in the clinical setting and an innovation leader, artfully blending her years of experience as a frontline caregiver with helping health systems and clinicians transform digital experiences that provide the best outcomes for caregivers and their patients. She's passionate about people, the tech that improves their lives, and greatly improving processes that get in the way of caregivers doing their best work. Welcome to the Catalyst Studio for the first time, Heather Hudnell. Heather, what's going on? Hello, Clinton and everyone tuning in. Um, I'm super excited to be here today, and thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we are fired up to have you too. We'll get into the origin of how the heck we met. And I was like, wait, we have this kind of you know expert here? And then turns out we did, and it's you. So very, very happy to have you here. But we like the hard-hitting questions, Heather. This is what we do on Catalyst. So first and foremost, you graduated from UMKC, and you've got pictures out there on the socials, all fired up in your Kansas City Chiefs garb. So the obvious question every listener is now thinking about, are you in or are you out? Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, where do you stand? I am in for sure. I really think they make a cute couple. Everyone's seen them around Kansas City, so that's kind of cool. Everyone talks about it. I think it's also helped elevate the Chiefs' coolness factor, um, grow our fan base, even though we probably didn't need any help because we are the reigning Super Bowl champs. So let's throw that in there. <laughs> Sure. Hey, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm a self-professed Swifty, and I realize as a 45-year-old dude uh, who's been into rock and all those other things, people people like, oh, Taylor Swift is soft, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, I'm like, have you listened to her music? And uh, for the record, Taylor Swift Lover is one of the best ballads of all time. That is an amazing song. So I, I'm all in, and Kelsey's fun, so uh, why not? Have, have fun. You love birds. Go make uh, billions and go make babies and, ha- and have a good life. I, I love it all. I'm a Seahawks fan, so nice. how about this? Chiefs, Seahawks, let's see if we can make that, uh, manifest that into reality for the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I agree on, on all fronts. But KC is a very cool town, passionate people. They love their chiefs. So why not already? It's good stuff. It's good. Let's talk a bit more about, I guess, why people are here. Technology and the people focused on that. So I saw you on an internal company call and you saw me and you're like, you reached out. I think it was via LinkedIn or something like that. And I was presenting something and I was like, oh my gosh, you exist. You do this here. I didn't realize at NTT Data at the time that we had a chief nursing informatics officer. With that still, I think lots of folks are probably like, well, what does that mean? What What's your focus? And and what would you say you do here, if I could quote a little office space? Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so I'm excited to be the first ever CNIO at NTT Data. So paving the way for clinicians at this giant tech company. Say my folks really... I represent the voice of the clinician. And so my focus is on helping healthcare clients solve their biggest challenges, their health IT problems. And I use a clinical lens. I always say I'm the translator. I'm able to translate clinical needs to technology in a way that makes sense to everyone. Because as you know, IT clinicians, they speak different languages. 
But I really want to ensure that the healthcare industry, along with my fellow clinicians, they have the tools they need to deliver that high quality, safe care, leading to a better healthcare experience for everyone. Because, you know, we're all going to need healthcare at some point in our lives. Yeah, we need it, whether it's often as we age or heck, the, the, the moment we come into this world, right. we're, we're inside the system, right? So it's it's there with us. And we'll talk about some of the complexities of it in, in a bit for sure. I'm always interested in people's trajectories. And I, I think uh, the listeners are as well. So you spent all these years as a, as a frontline caregiver, as a registered nurse, you know, walking the floors, and then you decided on this on this career trajectory change. So what's the catalyst for you being like, okay, I'm going to make this transition? Was it an aha? Was it many, many months and years in the making? What's your story there? Um, I think it was an evolution, just, you know, constantly dealing with a lot of issues in healthcare. So I'll say at the bedside, I saw, experienced firsthand everything that's wrong, broken in healthcare like staffing, that's still a problem. It was a decade ago when I left the bedside. But technology was also part of the problem. And today, it's still a major cause of burnout, frustrations for the entire healthcare workforce, the nurses, especially because we are the biggest users of healthcare technology. I remember going through many go lives with new technology that we were told, this is supposed to make my job easier, more efficient. But a lot of times it did the exact opposite. I remember it causing more frustrations actually increased our workload, impacted safe patient care, forced us to create a lot of workarounds just to be able to do our job. So Mm. I wanted to make healthcare better, the technology better for everyone. So instead of complaining about it, like, you know, a lot of us do, I decided to go be a part of the solution to fix it. Um, Saw a move to healthcare IT as the opportunity to make a big impact chance to help countless number of patients and also my fellow clinicians. And really my goal and driver was just to make tech easier for nurses to use. So they actually wanted to use it and enjoyed using it. And I'm actually proud to say I've been able to do that. I've actually designed and developed nurse-friendly solutions that they still use today. That's very cool. I think it's always nice, especially when you're working in an industry like yours, where the outcomes can be as serious as saving people's lives, not just improving and not just a, a mild convenience or an eradication of some friction that makes something simpler. That's all good. We all like conveniences and apps that that make things a bit more magical. In healthcare, the stakes are that much more serious and on a day-in, day-out basis and really on a minute-to-minute basis with uh, you know millions and millions of people at any given time receiving some critical care in the moment, which is really, really interesting. So love to get your perspective. I mean, I look at outside in, and we're in the US, right? I'm sure healthcare is not, I'm sure it's not easy no matter where you go, no matter how you decide to afford healthcare to your population. That's a different discussion for a political podcast. Regardless of that, the systems, the, the hospital systems, the, the regulations in, in the US, of course, HIPAA regulations, there doesn't seem to be much in the greater healthcare sphere that's not complex. It feels very dense, heavy, obviously tons of regulation built into it, hard to navigate for outsiders uh, very often. So you've been in it for a long time. That's an outside perspective. What's some of the, the greatness? I would say like we all feel some of the warts when it comes to things like billing and stuff like that, but what's some of the greatness of the healthcare industry that you could share with the audience too? I love that description. It's it's spot on. Uh, I'd also add 
chaotic and challenging. Hmm. Right now, it's hard to put my finger on what I consider great because it there needs so much to be improved. Right now, there's little integration coordination between health systems, technology provider makes it very difficult to deliver safe, seamless patient care. Even patients can't access their full records when they're going to get care. Hmm. Part of the problem, I think there are so many players in the game with different levels of power, and they all have their own like economic interests to protect. Right now in the U.S., it's financially driven, I hate to say, but really bottom line, revenue is prioritized over patients. That's why so many nurses are striking. It's led to you know the experience we have now with the staffing crisis, unsafe working environments, clinician burnout. And then in regards to health tech innovation, like I said, going back to what you said, there's lots of red tape, regulation, Healthcare industry is slow to advance. I think I read a stat recently. We are 10 to 15 years behind other industries. You would think we'd be on the forefront. We're in the business of saving lives. But the problem is, going back to my frustration, that's one of the reasons I left the bedside. People who have never cared for a patient in their life are designing, implementing, making decisions and policies on tech that in their eyes might look good on paper, but do not work well for the healthcare staff who most days don't even have time to take a lunch break. So lots to improve. Yeah, lots to unpack there too. And as an outsider to the healthcare world too, I look at certain factions of healthcare innovation and I can look at like med tech, right? And things there. And that does seem very emerging technology, cutting edge, bringing things to the forefront right away. And maybe because the dollars are there to go support the next great tool, the next great uh, application, the, the, the use of computer vision, et cetera, et cetera. And then when it gets down into the things that where the, the rubber meets the road for the cliche, but where the workers meet the patients on that level, it seems to be way slower and so much more bogged down in minutia, not given the same level of thinking about it through the prism of, hey, this is a platform in which we serve through this platform. And the ease in which people can get in and out of technologies while doing all the things you got to do for all the safety and, and, and reasons and, and data, you know, data privacy reasons that are very legitimate. That's medical data. We get all that. I just feel there is a balance to be bolder and treat the hospital systems and applications that run them as if it's a unified platform and not a bunch of hodgepodge experiences that don't connect and don't, you know, pull data from, from common lakes and common resources. I, I mean, I think you're probably head nodding more than anything, but is, is that hitting it for you? Is that, is that kind of it? Like there's no vision for treating it as a holistic platform. Oh yeah. That's the biggest problem. That's something I advocate for. I say everyone has their own interests and so many silos. So across the industry and even within the same organization, I used to do discovery calls and would talk to all the different, you know, business unit leaders, departments, clinicians, and no one was talking to each other. A lot of times I'd come back with my findings and they're like, I didn't know you were doing that. Where did you get that information? Why is their workflow like that? Why are they using this tool? I was like, it shined a light on how siloed and disconnected even, you know, hospitals and health systems are internally. So just think about all the external factors as well. No one's talking to each other. No one is thinking about if I develop this new solution, is it going to fit in with the EMR or all these other solutions that clinicians are using on a day-to-day -day basis? It's just an afterthought. Yeah, which 
if you're talking to any architect or planner or somebody that's really bringing uh, products to to market, and this is it's, everything's a market. This is a market, but bringing it to the people to use it. That's kind of the first stuff you make sure you go do and do really well is that these things are interconnected and that you're getting understanding and and buy-in and getting early stage testing and things of that nature with people that are on the floor. Otherwise, it's kind of worse than just project by project failure. It becomes systematic, systematic breakdown that these things do not they don't work in congruence with one another. And that's that's a system that's really in, in a bad position. So back to your time as an RN, what was the typical process? So you're there, you're on the floor, you're in scrubs, you hear uh, some rumors that a new technology cometh, right? This next new great technology is coming to the floor. What was that real world experience typically like for you as an RN on the floor? Surprise. Often uh, the new tech would just show up without consulting the nurses, you know, the main end users. We weren't aware that we were even getting new technology until right before our implementation or go live. Sometimes we might receive a courtesy email or maybe a posted flyer in the break room informing us of this new great, you know, solution, technology that was coming. Oh, and also you must attend this mandatory training prior to the go live day or you're going to be taken off the schedule. I mean, it created a lot of frustrations. I really think it hindered adoption. You know, we didn't trust it because we were never asked or engaged. So it's just not a good approach, in my opinion. Yeah, it again, seems foundationally that there's something so missing in, in such a important piece of fabric for any society. But it's it's almost it. I'm not saying it's criminal. That's that's not what I'm you know intending to say. But it's near criminal that the care isn't there to just plan better and plan more holistically and look at all of this as an orchestration of tools and opportunities for them to work together and feed off one another. And then of course, there's a whole whole side of how you uh, enable and do change management in an effective way versus a way that really deletes and erodes confidence and builds frustration. So what happens you get the new tool, you do the mandatory training because you gotta, you can't lose your job. It hits the floor. You begin using it and, and you go, oh, oh no, like, oh, oh dear. What then, what's the trickle down effects when tech is put in, but it's off the mark? Yep. So I'd say very frequently go live user adoption. It ends up failing. I actually saw a class report that showed 70 to 80% of tech transformations fail because they didn't fully address the people and process needs and engage the end users. I've seen this happen. And really think about it, it's a wasted investment of time and money for the organizations because if the tech does not work for the end users, and speaking for nurses, they won't use it. They'll create workarounds. And if you choose to not engage nurses up front in the design, then my now we're up to 5 million nurse colleagues in the U.S., We'll probably take your nice, cool new tech and throw it in a drawer or place a post-it note on it with some feedback on how awful it is and how we don't want to use it. So if you think about it, there's probably health systems out there that probably have millions of dollars worth of technology just sitting there collecting dust, providing no value or ROI for the organization. Yeah. And what about the consequences of shadow IT and, and workarounds in general? I, I'm assuming they, the job still got to get done. So 
Is it just simply, well, I got a job to do, so I'm going to work around this thing. And does that have downstream consequences also? Yeah, so um, it can actually, you know, impact patient care, safety, again, frustrations, burnouts, and the patients see this as well. I'll tell you, I felt sorry for the patients that were there on go live days because it was mm. just going to be chaotic and a nightmare. Yeah, I've been, so my, my mother recently passed away in July and she was ill for a while. She had lupus for 30 some odd years, battled that. Oh. And she was a trooper through it all. And she she also ran two labs. She ran uh, St. John's as, as a lab manager and it became St. Catherine's on Long Island. So oh. she was a lab tech manager. So everything, phlebotomy, chemistry, the whole, the whole nine, blood bank, all that. Um, so I, I had a good dollop of it and everything back then was obviously, none of it was very digital back then. She actually would tell me a story, which was insane to me whenever I think about it, that when she was uh, in school, they would suck the blood through through tiny, thin pipettes yep. and to get them onto the slide. And I was like, well, what, what kind of blood? She's like, well, everything. I was like, what do you mean everything? This is the 80s. She's like, yeah. well, you know, HIV. I'm like, you're so, she's like, yeah. She's like, that's that's the way you transferred it onto a slide. Yeah. I was like, this is insane, by the way, <laughs> while they're smoking marble yes. reds. In the, so just to think about how things have changed, right? So, so a yay automation and yay robotics in some ways, right? <laughs> yes. But I've been at her bedside watching nurses who are frustrated with a piece of technology. And it's not their fault because you can't always be on because you're a human, but the downstream effect or the effect on the human in the room, the patient becomes either my mom knew, knew it well, so she could laugh with it. But I can imagine those who don't have that experience and are looking for comfort and looking for confidence that I'm getting the best care and what that can do for a mental state. So I think it again, goes all the way down into the level of care that, that we are providing the people who need it most. So it, it's, it could not be more serious, which is the inverse of that means the opportunity is really strong, right? The delta is so large that the opportunity to make this so much better for the people and the caregivers is right there before us. So when you are forming teams, again, you left the bedside and, and, and being an RN 10 years ago, and when you're in there with your IT hat and persona on, what are you looking for when you're, when you're trying to bring people together, you know, so you get to solutions that work for everybody in that system? What are some of the key things you're, you're trying to do to make sure people are represented and heard? Well, I'm a big advocate for you need to talk to people and engage them, especially the end users. I say meet them where they are. Not everyone can take time out to you know, join a meeting, go to a conference room. So take a walk in their shoes round the floors, observe their workflows, get real-time feedback in the moment, you know, get input on, you know, their top pain points, challenges, what do they need and want from new technology? And I'd also throw out there for hospital systems, allow vendors and health tech developers to do the same because I've been on both sides. Mm -hmm. And when you're designing and developing new technology, if you don't know the workflows or what the end users actually need, it really makes it hard to develop the tools and technology um, that's going to work for them and provide a great experience. So I say it's better to include everyone. I'm talking all end users, all people impacted, business unit leaders. And one missing piece that I'm another huge advocate for, go talk to the patients. They can give mm. so many insights because think about this. 
the technology that their caregivers are using is going to have a big impact on them and their experience and their care. I'd imagine there's also a huge gradient between hospital systems and different places, locations that have done this much better versus others that might be laggards as well. So when I think about the like some that might do it really, really well and others that might be laggards, I'd imagine that there's some leadership level that gets it and understands, hey, I've got to make my, my caregivers accessible. They need to be part of this process. I'd also imagine that sometimes when you go into a system or into a hospital, that that might be a friction point. Like you're asking for access and some people are kind of gatekeeping me and like, wait, like, no, 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 my, my nurses or my doctors, they're too busy. They don't, they don't do that. That's a story in my head, but is it, is it a accurate one? It is very accurate. So that's why I say I am advocating for the voice of the nurse, the voice of the clinicians. I will actually, if I get a chance to have conversations with healthcare leadership, especially clinical leaders, I'll say, when's the last time you actually put on some scrubs and rounded the floor and talked to your staff? Because that, you know, face-to-face engagement and interaction First of all, they're going to share a lot more information with you when they see you as a peer. So I actually did my own social experiment one time where I showed up for um, the week ago live. First day, I put my scrubs on. You know, I had my badge on. They knew I was a nurse. They, you know, told me everything. I got so much great insight information. Day two, now, mind you, they had already met me day one, the same group. I put my business casual clothes on and walked around. The way they engaged and interacted with me, there was a change there. And I think just visually, they did not see me as a peer anymore. I mean, I, I probably look like someone from the Joint Commission coming in to do an audit. And as you know, they, they shy away from that. So, you know, just go be human again with them peer to peer. And the insight and feedback you're going to get is just, it, it's invaluable. And the other piece that kind of, rolls off of that for me is I'm willing to bet that if you open it up that way, and of course, I love the idea of kind of going, you know, come as you are in that case, like, hey, I'm a nurse. I, I'm here with you and you've done it. Of course, you can't just go buy a costume and do that. That's <laughs> illegal, but <laughs> right. without professing that, but you know, you have the chops, you've done it. So that, that I love from that, you know, psychology standpoint of getting them to open up. But I'd also imagine that if you actually bring your world, you bring digital workflows to them early stage one, say, hey, can I get you for an hour? I would imagine that not all of them, but I think there's going to be such a large percentage of that population that's actually delighted because it's a, it's new and they're not asked that ever. And it's, it's not just the fact that they're being asked to do something, but they probably actually revel in the chance to do something that is not their norm, yet really can impact their day-to-day. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I'll tell you, I never was asked any of my insight and opinion. In fact, uh, when I worked on the cardiac floor, we were piloting um, a new solution for cardiac rhythm analysis. And I was like, this is great. They're actually going to listen to us. Guess what? The one we wanted was not the one they bought and implemented. So we were just kind of like, well, then why did you even ask us our opinion? But most nurses, if you just go ask them, they are willing to share everything with you. Like we want to be asked and very often it does not happen. And I love the point too that, and if you are extending it, I'm not saying you got, you have to take every recommendation because that's just not the way the cookie crumbles right. sometimes. It just doesn't always go that way. However, 
again, that change management or the, the aspect of it too, that if you are asking for feedback and 50 million Elvis fans are like, that's the solution we want. And then you pick one based on, you know, maybe just cost or something like that. Well, you better be prepared for that too, right? Because that could be seen as, well, you dangled something in front of us and then you yoinked the carrot away and that's going to have an effect. So I think a lot of that leadership and just that OCM aspect of, getting the human part right is really, really at center here and kind of coming out in the conversation, which I, which I think is so, I always love that. It's, Hey, we're building digital things. And guess what? Humans are the ones who drive it and use it and consume it and determine whether or not it becomes popular in many ways. Uh, like we talked about before with the user adoption. So very cool, you know, piece of the puzzle there. Yeah. So another piece for me is like, I imagine there's lots of friction in many digital processes. And we talked about it earlier. Mm -hmm. They're not set up typically as platforms. They're not cohesive. They are very siloed. They just don't work as one congruent system. So when you're going into a new engagement, how do you help parse and determine what are the biggest things to, to start doing to get momentum, to get wins, and that you know are like, okay, I'm convinced that's the right thing to go solve first or second. Uh, again, the common theme here, engage those end users early, frequently, early on. I, if you can even include them in the design development, you know, if it's a brand new solution, you know, bring in everyone impacted by it. So I want a full holistic view. So your frontline caregivers, business unit leaders. So now they have patient experience officers, innovation teams, mm. ancillary. We all have to work together. Nursing informatics is one of their your biggest advocates and friends, decision makers, champions. And again, all end users impacted by a solution. So anyone who's going to be using it, that's really how you're going to you know, get the input to make decisions, know and understand their user-specific workflows. And I'll tell you that challenges, pain points, uh, workflows, they change by different types of units. So take that into consideration. And really that missing piece is, again, the patients to get their feedback as well. But how I know what the you know best solutions are and what they're dealing with is just by engaging with them, talking with them. You know, I always stay up to date on what's going on in the industry and I can leverage my own, you know, background experience as a frontline caregiver. So just again, taking the holistic information, but talk to your people is the biggest thing I can advocate for. Yeah, it's a good one to just keep hammering on for sure, Heather. I think the other piece I want to just poke at, like the one click down would be, what if you're hearing from the 50 million Elvis fans about something and they're right, like they, they can't be wrong as the adage says. And then as you go look at it technically, it's not a surface level thing that is actually achievable yet given what might be behind the scenes that they don't really know about, right? That, that's not their world. They just know this thing works somehow, some way. Data gets moved somehow, some way. But when you uncover it with, with the tech team and you go, oh my gosh, what they're asking for is the right outcome but right now it's technically impossible or technically highly improbable, mm -hmm. needs lots of work to, to, to retrofit something. What is that like? Does that happen a lot or is that a, the, a more rare case? Uh, that happens more often than not. A very common scenario is you've got clinical leaders who are going out and attending conferences and events and they see this great new technology device right. solution. So they come back, throw it on the IT team and they're like, we want this implemented and use it now. A lot of the problems with what I'm seeing is hospitals have very outdated networks, infrastructure. So if your foundation is shaky and cannot support all this new, great, innovative technology, 
then the experience is not going to be great if you don't know how to integrate it properly, you know, get the data you need. Connectivity is now a big problem because everything's connected. Mm. If your network can't support that, the experience is going to be awful. I've actually seen that happen where clinical mobility device communication that uses voice over IP, their network could not handle it. It actually crashed the network. A critical patient alert was missed and a patient ended up passing away. So, I mean, that's worst case Mm. scenario. So if you don't have the right foundation to support all this wonderful technology and a plan on how to integrate it and roll it out, it's not going to provide any value at all. It might actually do the opposite. Like we we talked about, cause more frustrations, workarounds, and then uh, clinicians won't trust the technology. Right. And then they ought not to at that point, right? right? Because it becomes cruel. And if you go up the mountain and you build the thing with the right vision and the right aspiration for the outcome you're after, only to realize that the support system is actually crumbling. It, it can't support uh, what you're trying to do technically. And that due diligence was not done. Mm-hmm. You could be in a, in a worse spot and have to then, you know, take something back down, which could cost millions of dollars and a lot, a lot of time to do that as well. So I, I think I'm just advocating for in general, the holistic approach of making sure that heck, and what working with whoever the, the the solution provider is that the team you're working with, that they're looking at all layers with you and early. So you're not getting three, four, six months, eight months into an experience only to realize like, hey, you built a house on sand and it's going down one way or the other, right? Because that is really not the way to do it. So bring the IT partners, bring the architects, bring them early, bring them into that discussion early whenever you're doing something that might just have to go tap that data, which if we're in the healthcare system, it's tapping data, right? So, oh, data is everything. It's a lifeline. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, I'm, and listen, I've got a couple of different doctors. I'm 45. I knock on wood, fairly healthy. And I still have a, you know, a specialist here and I got my primary. And just sharing information between two or three of them is nearly impossible. I had to physically bring x-rays one time or MRIs. And, and I'm like, how do you not know this? So when you are starting out a new endeavor. Let's say it's an experience. Let's say we're not looking at the data level and we're just looking at bringing a new digital experience that's going to improve some lives. What's like your dream team in terms of the skills you want in the room? And we know you want the caregivers there, yes. right? We, we, we've got <laughs> that we got. And, and that's, that's great. I know you're going to say it too, so I'll, I'll say it for you. What about the other technology skills? What do you really like? Okay, I know it's going to change, uh, you know, example to example, but overall, broad stroke, what are the skills you really want to make sure that you have at the table at the onset of a discussion like that? People who are creative, innovative, can think outside the box because that's where the real magic happens. And clearly, yeah, going back, the, the end users, caregivers, I always say, you know, that you always hear that saying too many cooks in the kitchen, but maybe bring everyone together more more than needed at the beginning. And then you can kind of decide who really are the key players. But I'd rather do that versus not bringing the key players and then missing a big piece. Big example of this was um, I was consulting with a healthcare organization. They were far down the process with this amazing new technology that was great for physicians. Wonderful. So they just assumed, oh, it works for the physicians, going to work for everyone, right? They brought the nurses in. Nurses completely derailed everything. They had to go back to the drawing board because it's like, no, we're all clinicians, but workflows are very different. So I say, you know, bring everyone together, 
go from there, get the holistic, you know, view and approach, and then you can decide, you know, who actually needs to be included. But I'd rather that than miss key people. You know, I love that too. I think opening the aperture and not being afraid of that earlier, knowing that it might take a little bit more time at the onset Mm -hmm. and that's okay because you you get what you just described is like, you're going to figure out who actually needs to be there or not versus the other one. It's I coached baseball for a lot of years. It's very tantamount to the idea of teaching a little leaguer that it is far easier to make sure your glove is on the ground and bring it up if there's a bad hop versus keeping your glove in the air and trying to move it down at the very last second. And then it's through the wickets and and there's a kid at first base who's smiling and it's little league and they're all happy anyway. So, but all of that to say, like, there's just some parallels there of like opening it up to a a wider audience first. That resonates with me, makes a lot of sense. And I bet it will for, for the folks, you know, listening to, all right, I got one more question here. So we talked a lot of some of the ills from healthcare And we understand that we're not ragging on it for the sake of ragging on it. We're challenging it because we want to change it. Exactly. And the stakes are high and there are ways to change it. What's like one lesson or one tactic that you could give anybody listening, whether they're in healthcare or not, that you'd say, hey, regardless of your industry or your focus, this is one thing I've learned in the world of healthcare that as I, as I lead in technology, it is purposeful in every situation. I love that. Yeah, it has to be feasible, technically feasible, as well as I would say embrace and focus on you hear like user or human centered design. So that's key Mm. when developing any kind of new tech and big advocate that if you're going to create new technology has to fit into the intended users workflows. And it has to be able to solve some problem, create efficiency, streamline processes and like I said before, I think we all need to continually push ourselves to challenge the status quo, because I think that's where, you know, the real opportunities for change, progress, savings, and a better experience, no matter what industry you're in, come from. This has been awesome. I feel we've canvassed it all at this point, Heather, right? We started right. We started with some Taylor Swift. We're ending <laughs> with some, some pearls of wisdom, no matter where you may sit in, in IT and technology, that you've got some, got some pearls that you dropped here. And I think we've had an, an awesome conversation. You've been listening to Heather Hudnall and TT Data's Chief Nursing Informatics Officer and someone who has dedicated her career to helping patients and caregivers achieve the very best outcomes that they're after through awesome technology and collaboration. So Heather, thanks so much for being on the pod. Thank you so much. I had a great time and great conversation. It was a lot of fun. I do want to remind folks that if you're enjoying the Catalyst Conversations, please share the podcast with colleagues and friends because in this studio, we believe in shipping software over slideware that fast will follow smooth and aiming to create digital experiences that move millions is a very worthy pursuit. Join us next time as the pursuit continues on Catalyst, the launch by NTT Data Podcasts.